It's Thursday, June 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Mark Reith. Weren't you just in this studio yesterday? I was. It's weird to hear you say <laughs> the, the intro instead of myself. Uh, but I'm happy to be here, especially on Bring Your Kids to Work Day. It's safe in here. It's quiet. It, 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 yes. No, no, so, no yes. zombie children chasing you around. <laughs> they see you, they gurgle weirdly, and then they start teetering over at you. It's, it's nice and quiet in here. Big fan. So you're young and single mm-hmm. and easily thrown by human children. Right. I'm a middle-aged man with children, so I'm not freaked out by it. But I will say mm-hmm. that yesterday, when I was talking with a couple of our colleagues who are organizing this, because we, we have a big uh, bring your kids to work thing organized, I was surprised. I, I said, how many kids are coming mm-hmm. on Thursday? And I was very <laughs> surprised to hear 57. Oh, that's I was like, whoa, whoa, 57 kids are going to be? So, too many. So I'm not thrown by them, but like oh. like you, I'm happy to be in the sanctity of the fourth floor studio. Yeah, let's toss uh, out those child labor laws. And we got ourselves a business. <laughs> exactly. Let's get them working. Uh, we've got an upcoming IPO to talk about. We have uh, a couple of housekeeping things of note, but let's start with the latest quarterly results from Winnebago. Just in time for summer vacation, Winnebago's third quarter profits came in higher than expected. Mm-hmm. Stock up around 6% this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, on balance, look like a nice quarter. Not a bad quarter at all. Yeah, like you said, uh, the quarter ended. Uh, they booked earnings of eleven and a half million dollars. It's forty three cents a share. That beat last year. Revenue rose seven and a half percent. That beat last year. Beat analyst expectations across the board. Uh, what what impresses me about this is that people really have no faith in Winnebago. They have consistently been increasing revenue and earnings for the last couple of quarters, uh, but they missed last quarter and shares just tanked as a result. Shares are down, I think something like eight uh, percent, trailing twelve months. Uh, but this quarter, I looked fine. But people, people, twenty two percent of shares were sold short. There's just no faith in the Winnebago. I don't understand, Chris. I, well, so we've talked about this before. That I, I think that if you're gonna short a stock, mm. you need to have a stronger conviction about that move than anything, any stock, any business that right. you are long on. Right. And I can see looking at a company like Winnebago and thinking, well, I don't necessarily want to own shares for the long term, mm-hmm. but it. At, at no point has it struck me as a business that is so damaged and so challenged that I would want to go out and short this thing. Absolutely not. Uh, the, the business itself is actually very sound. Uh, they have no debt on their books. They have something about $49.5 million in cash. Uh, they're, sta- they're sitting quite pretty right now. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, though. With uh, People, they hear the name Winnebago, and they just think, you know, RV parks. Yeah. This is not a Wall Street darling. People, the analysts over in Wall Street are not going, oh, yeah, buy Winnebago. That, that's not what their investors, their shareholders want to hear. But honestly, and that's why we have it as a hidden gems pick as well. It's just, it's, uh, it flies below the radar. But it's a solid company on a lot of different levels. We were talking before the show, brand-wise, Winnebago is pretty high up there. You think RVs, you think Winnebago. You don't, you don't think tissues. You think Kleenex. You don't think search. You think Google. It's the same with Winnebago, despite the fact that their next biggest competitor, something like six times bigger than yeah, they Thor are. Yeah, Thor Industries. Thor Industries, which also makes trucks. But I mean, the size differential there should be enough for Thor to overcome Winnebago. But that's not true. People love Winnebago, and people love their RVs. I'm not an RV. 
guy. I like my vacations to stay stationary, personally. That's that's my own choice. That's fine. But RV owners, you really got to commit to that lifestyle. Uh, the Winnebago RVs, they have two. They have the type that you can just latch onto the back of your car. Those cost about as much as a car. Uh, and then the big ones, the buses, that cost like something like 100000 to 500000 depending on which type you get. That is a long tail. You have that for the rest of your life. You're probably going to give that to your kids. And if it breaks down, you're probably going to go back to Winnebago because you've had a lifetime of experiences in this thing. You go to these camps and you see other people in their Winnebagos and you talk about it. This brand, this lifestyle just keeps on playing into that over the years and Winnebago keeps on profiting as a result. I think it was last year I remember um, hearing an analyst talk about essentially part of this analyst's bull case for Home Depot and Lowe's mm. was the number of people in America who are retiring every week. Right. And what are they going to do? Well, they're probably going to, at least some of them are going to spend some time on fixing are, up their homes. Fixing up be their home homes. Why not fix it up? Yeah. And it's, you know, it seems logical to me that at least part of the bull case for Winnebago goes along those same lines where you have people who are retiring, they've mm-hmm. got more time, and maybe instead of a boat mm-hmm. or a second home, mm-hmm. this is the thing that they look at and say, well, you know, we like to travel, we want to get out and drive, and this is a way to do it. So, to that point, I actually looked up the demographics. You're right. A lot of people think, you know, retirees, let's take a trip out to, I don't know, Yellowstone or something like that. Uh, RV ownership is actually very solidly in the 40 year old demographic. The median age of RV owners is 48. Which again plays into that long tail that you have the rest of your life to be traveling around the country with your family, making memories in this RV. You're gonna have it for the rest of your life. You're gonna keep on keep on buying Winnebago, especially right now with fuel costs so low. It, it costs an arm and a leg to fill these things up, but not so much right now. I think that's one of the reasons you saw sales increase this quarter. Uh, but no, the the demographic is shockingly young, and I think people really do like that aspect of well, I want to travel, but I don't want to spend on hotels. I want to camp, but I don't want to be outside. Hey, Winnebago! You may not be familiar with Interactive Corp. IAC, uh, but there is a good chance if you're listening to this that you have contributed to the company's revenue stream without even realizing it, and that is because IAC is the parent company of more than 150 websites, brands, and products. Uh, things like Dictionary.com, Ask.com, College Humor, Vimeo, the the video uh, software, the Princeton Review. And shares of IAC are up 4.5% this morning and hitting a new all-time high on the news that it is spinning off its online dating business, The Match Group, which includes Match.com, Tinder, OkCupid, Amongst so it's others. so it's good that you're in the room because <laughs> what's that supposed to mean, Chris? I long departed this oh. world. Um, um, Luckily, I am an expert on these topics. So let's talk about this. This is a this is an IPO that is expected to come in the second half, towards the end really, of the really the the last quarter of 2015, right? And I saw one report that said that this division makes up about 30% of IAC's revenue. So mm-hmm. before we go back to IAC, the Match Group, the is match this group. is this an I 
is this an IPO that, that you're interested in? Because you are a user of these services. I am a user of. How do they of the make services. money? Are you, am I if I'm if I'm getting on Match.com? Sure. Am I paying? You are. That? So they so all right. So they have a couple of different uh, services. By the way, I look at my career in finance. That I'm talking about my Tinder profile now, <laughs> but they have a couple of different services, and I love the services in that they can break down into uh, different customer groups and different business models. So, for instance, the uh, dating groups uh, are include uh, Our Time, which is a uh, <laughs> it's an online dating site for people who are over the age of fifty. Okay. Uh, it, they have Match.com, which is by and large perceived as maybe mid thirties, young tw- or mi- late twenties, mid thirties. Uh, you're looking for a serious relationship. You go to Match.com. OkCupid, of which I am an avid user, as is the man behind the glass, Mr. Dan Boyd, and our intern Jake Silverstein back there. He loves this app. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's for the younger crowd, so maybe mid twenties. And then Tinder, which is their big, big product these days. There's something like 50 million people. On on Tinder, thirty-eight uh, percent of people on Tinder are aged between sixteen and twenty-four. Forty-five percent between ages twenty-five and thirty-four. That's a huge market, obviously, uh, probably the most important age groups. Uh, so it, it works on several different levels in terms of which customers you're appealing to. It also works, like you said, uh, business model-wise. There are different ways to get into this. So uh, Match.com, it costs about twenty dollars for a twelve-month subscription. Uh, OkCupid is free. But it has the option to go up to a premium service for a couple of dollars every month. And then Tinder has actually no revenue model until recently. In March, they announced what's called Tinder Premium, uh, which allows you, I don't know if you've ever seen Tinder, but you're basically swiping, you're looking at people's faces, swiping left if they're ugly, swiping right if they're hot, for lack of a better word, and going from there, starting a conversation from there. Uh, you can now. With this premium Tinder app, you can go back to people who you thought were ugly, but you changed your mind about. You couldn't do that in just the free version. Uh, you can also use this passport feature, which if I'm traveling, say, to New York and want to find singles in that area, I can search around New York's uh, singles as opposed to just the local uh, area around me, which is usually how it works. And are do any of these also have ads? On them as well. Tinder has ads. Uh, you can swipe through. Again, you'll come to like a, a a Budweiser ad. I saw this the other day. If you swipe that you like it, then they'll show you more details about the company or some sort of event, what have you. If you don't like it, that's the last you see of it. You see it once every couple of swipes. Uh, for the other sites, sure, you have banner ads and stuff around. But again, more more of a premium focus once you get to OkCupid, Match.com, our time, that sort of stuff. Worth pointing out, probably, that at the helm of IAC, uh, the chairman is Barry Diller, mm-hmm. who's really just got an incredibly impressive track he record. Knows as a, what he's doing as a businessman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the quote from the New York Times article from Diller: uh, "As many know from our actions over the past twenty years, I'm not a believer in simply." Uh, what is that word? Agglomerating? <laughs> sure. Wow, there's a 50-cent word. Agglomerating yeah. assets in perpetuity. I've long felt that as entities grow into size and maturity, it's healthy to give them separation and independence from a mother church. Hmm. Uh, interesting turn of phrase, considering the, the spin-off business <laughs> that we're talking about Very here. Pious. So, uh, 
so it sounds like you are not just uh, someone who's using these. You think you, you look at this business, and obviously the S one isn't out yet. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's something you're going to look through. But this is something that, on the face of it, you're interested in as a standalone stock. As soon as you came over and told me today's topic, <laughs> my first words were, "I'm investing in that. I'm buying this stock. I am buying that stock." They, they say to invest in what you know, and I know this stuff. Um, yes, like I said, uh, the customer base is there on a lot of different levels. The business models are pretty strong. Uh, subscription services, premium services like that uh, are proven. Uh, Match.com, our time, OKCupid are very proven, very popular sites. And then if you want growth, you just look at Tinder, which, like I said, has something like 50 million users uh, total. Uh, they have 12 million matches a day, which is just absurd. Uh, and their, like I said, their age group that they appeal to is very strong, 16 to 34-year-olds. Uh, a lot of those people are on Tinder, and that's only going to continue to grow. The, the 50 million figure, by the way, is from late last year. Uh, but like you said, as soon as the S1 comes out, I'm sure they'll have updated figures there. I have to presume that it's grown. So, yeah, uh, in all sincerity, this... This is a good business model in my eyes. Barry Diller, IAC's chairman, uh, is a smart guy. He's been very successful. Some of their past spinoffs are some of our favorite stocks around here, like TripAdvisor. Uh, Expedia is another successful one. The guys in charge of the match group, Greg Blatt, Sam Yegan, I don't know them as well. Did a little research, though. They've been there for years. Uh, they've helped match group grow exponentially over the last couple of years. Uh, for for whatever the the actual business is, you may it may or may not appeal to you, uh, depending on who you are. But the the underlying uh, business model, I think, is very sound. And yet, when you think about the number of properties that IAC has, mm. the notion that just a handful of them, in this case, I think it's just those three. Maybe maybe there's another that's part of the match group. But if you know, mm-hmm. a, a single digit group of them mm-hmm. are responsible for thirty percent of the revenue coming in the door. Pretty impressive. I, I you know, that maybe bodes well for the standalone IPO. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be a little concerned if I was an IEC shareholder, right. despite the fact that over the last five years, this is a stock that has done. Wonderfully, Very this well. has nearly tripled the market's return over the last five years. So, uh, I, 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 perhaps I should give Barry Diller and his management team a little bit more benefit of the doubt that they can that they know what they're doing in this regard. Mm-hmm. But that. That number gives me pause. That thirty percent of the revenue is coming from just a few of these properties. Absolutely, uh, and and like I said, paid subscribers to the dating sites grew like sixteen percent last quarter. Revenue from these sites grew thirteen percent last quarter, and as you said, it, it totals of something like thirty percent of Interactive Corp's uh, top line. But the, it's not necessarily a very profitable segment. Profits in the segment actually fell thirty six percent last quarter. I think a large part of that is again Tinder is still finding its footing for all of its. Growth, it still isn't making that much money. Uh, the the potential is there, but the revenue, or excuse me, the earnings uh, haven't hit the bottom line just yet. I think spinning it off is their attempt to make sure that happens, uh, to give Yegan a chance to take these companies, uh, remove it from Interactive's uh, umbrella. And look at everything he's got, and say, "How can I uh, make these profitable on their own?" And by the way, uh, the other brand. There are a couple other brands as part of this. Uh, some of them very well established. The Princeton Review yes. is part of Match Group, as is Investopedia, uh, which is a great website for all you listeners out there. If you ever have any uh, questions about investing, uh, so it is evened out maybe by some more established brands. Uh, again. 
If your interactive shareholder shares are up something like 7% today, you're still going strong with the other three segments search and applications. So that's about.com, s.com, dictionary.com. Uh, media has Vimeo, which is a huge portion of YouTube, uh, the Daily Beast, College Humor, and then you have this e commerce segment as well. By no means is this going to be a weak company at the end of the day. It's, it's still very much worth investing in. Uh, I think they're going to be a little more focused uh, without the match group as part of that. And again, this is, this is what Barry Dillon and what Interactive Core do. Uh, they find these companies, bundle them up, and then spin them off. Uh, they've spun off something like seven companies in the last, I don't know, five years or something like that. I think TripAdvisor was 2008, so maybe more like six or seven years. But uh, I'm, I'm not concerned if I'm an interactive shareholder. I'm, I'm, I trust Barry Diller. I trust that the business model is still sound, even without Match Group. Couple of housekeeping notes before we wrap up. First, thank you to the Anton family who were visiting Full HQ earlier this week. Um, Larry and Jennifer and their children, Jackson, Olivia, and Oscar, who are regular listeners. They live in Tanzania. Whoa! So that's a bit of a haul. Big visit, yeah. Um, so apparently they listen over breakfast. So, hmm. so thank you for visiting. Uh, thanks also to longtime listener and uh, one of our members, Tobin Anthony, who flagged a story for us. Well, actually, first of all, congratulations to Tobin Anthony, who is a proud graduate of the University of Virginia, ah. because their baseball team just won the College World Series last yeah, night. Not so, a bad night. So, really good night for the uh, for the. UVA Cavs. Um, but no, he sent this story along. Uh, it was a profile in the Wall Street Journal from earlier this week of a guy who's an ophthalmologist, uh, Dr. Clifford Rhodes in Wailuku, Hawaii. There, in the health section of the journal, there's a, there's a column called, What's Your Workout? And, and uh, I'll just read from the column. Uh, Dr. Rhodes starts his day at 3 a.m., usually with an hour of yoga, followed by an hour of upper body and core strength exercises. Rather than clear his mind with the sound of nature, he listens to financial podcasts on his iPod. I kill two birds with one stone, he says. I work my body and sharpen my financial knowledge. Um, and so, we reached out to him. He, he sent a note and, and um, mentioned that he listens not just to Motley Fool Money, but also Market Foolery and Motley Fool Industry Focus. Um, so, just a, a great article. And also, frankly, a little exhausting to read. I was going to say, 3 a.m., that's when I'm falling asleep. He's yeah. getting up that early? Yeah, that's and, crazy. and a couple workouts a day. It's just uh, too much. You know, but he's, he's an incredibly healthy person. Um, and this, this gives me a chance to mention uh, something that we, we talked about yesterday when we, were, uh, we had, had a meeting. Which is that uh, we have other podcasts. Um, I know that if you're listening, you're you're probably listening on a mobile device, um, and so it's it's not as apparent if you're actually on iTunes or on the Stitcher platform on a desktop where you can click the Motley Fool button and see. But we actually do have other podcasts. Uh, Good podcasts. Industry Focus, which is a, a daily podcast drilling down on individual industries every day: healthcare, energy. Consumer goods, technology, financials, and Motley Fool Answers, which is our weekly podcast hosted by Allison Southwick, and it's Robert Brokamp, our retirement expert, Diana Yoakum, who's our personal finance expert, uh, and every week they're just uh, just tackling new topics. They have a lot of fun. It's a yeah. fun show. Yeah, it's a really fun show, and they they really help people get their financial house in order. Uh, which leads me to our final bit of news, which is that we're not stopping with four. We have a fifth Motley Fool podcast com coming soon. I'm not going to say what it is mm. 
because frankly, I'm not sure of the exact timing of it at this right. point. I know what we're aiming for, but I, I want to wait until it's actually up. But uh, I got to say, I'm pretty excited. You got to light it. the fire early. Yeah, uh, it's going to pre- be a good one. I'm pretty excited about this one. It's something a little different from what we've done before. Uh, I think it's going to be really good. So mm-hmm. that that is a sneak preview of coming attractions. It's the OKCupid profile or profile uh, podcast. It's where I go over my profile well, on all the dating sites, and well, listeners can critique them. Uh, <laughs> tell me what kind of photos I need to throw up there. It's going to be great, guys. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is interested in that podcast. <laughs> that, that, that hurts. Mark Reed, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. 